here we go. Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios, it's overtime with William Patterson, Jace Brown, and Dawson Wise here for hour number two on this Thursday night. Plenty to cover in this hour, including our NFL head coaching carousel. We'll take a look at all the new hirings and, and uh, how that shakes up the NFL uh, landscape. Also, we'll do our NFL contending questions and who's more likely to do what. And also, at the very end of the hour, we have a special segment talking about Kayshawn Boutte <laughs> and what he's been up to <laughs> on the books. Uh, very come off our best bets. We'll end with Kayshawn Boutte and his bets. Uh, and they were not <laughs> the they were not his not best, best either. <laughs> no, not his best. No. They were not his best. All right. Um, let's talk about the NFL uh, without Boutte. And this is the head coach and carousel. Uh, heading into the offseason, the Chargers, Raiders, Patriots, Titans, Panthers, Seahawks, Commanders, and Falcons were all searching for new coaches. And so far, now six of them, uh, as of about a couple hours ago, uh, have found their guy, uh, Jim Harbaugh, to the Chargers, Antonio Pierce to the Raiders, uh, Patriots hire Gerard Mayo, the Titans hire Brian Callahan, uh, the Panthers hire Dave Canale, or Canale, excuse me, and uh, the Falcons have hired uh, Raheem Morris, who came over from the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, was most recently their defensive coordinator spent some time with the Falcons as well um, from 2015 to 2020 with Kyle Shanahan was also around them as well. It was also the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from 2009 to 2011, a little bit of a, a history lesson there. Um, but uh, the Seahawks and commanders are still in the hunt to find their next coach. Uh, let's talk about, what was the most recent move before um, the, the the Charger or the Falcons hired their guy? Uh, the Panthers have hired Bucks offensive coordinator Dave Canale. Uh, Canale was the passing game coordinator for the Seahawks in 2020 when Russell Wilson set career highs for 40 touchdowns and a 68.8 completion percentage and also passed for 4,212 yards. Uh, he was the quarterback's coach for Seattle in 2022 when Geno Smith passed for a career high 4,282 yards, 30 touchdowns with a 69.8% completion rate. Nice. Um, and he was the offensive coordinator at Tampa Bay this past season uh, when Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, who should be selling insurance, uh, <laughs> had a career high in passing yards for 4,044 yards, 28 touchdowns, and a 64% completion rate. Uh, is this the right move for the Carolina Panthers? It could be. It's not the first name I had in mind by any means. No. Uh, when I saw this, I was like, really? Uh, you know, it was kind of surprising, but uh, he's got the numbers behind the name to, to do it, at least in terms of developing Bryce Young, and I think that's the number one reason why he's being hired. Uh, a quarterback guru, quarterback whisperer that can probably help Bryce Young take the next step, mm -hmm. uh, which is what they're looking for. Uh, now, granted, I don't think the previous two regimes have done him much credit, no. uh, Matt Rule or Frank Reich, uh, certainly not a good start to his NFL career coaching-wise, but uh, you need an offensive mind, an offensive guy that can come in and, and help him work into the an NFL system um, and bring his own lessons that he's learned with quarterbacks along the way uh, to, to help Bryce Young get better. And I, if that's what they're trying to do, I think they succeeded. Yeah, and in, in his short tenure in the league, I mean, like you just said, I mean, he's been allowing these guys to put up big numbers. Uh, so, you know, thinking about that, like you said, Dawson, not the first name that I would have brought up, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not too upset at the higher, uh, you know, 
again, he's elevated the play of the QBs that he's been around, uh, especially this Baker Mayfield-led uh, Bucks team that kind of surprised a, a few folks, uh, including myself, in a really lackluster year for the NFC South. So, uh, you know, he's got a bunch of talent with Bryce Young out there. Uh, now it's pretty much can he get him some weapons uh, not named Adam Thielen? Yeah, you know, when I heard the news, I had to do a little bit of a history lesson here. I, I, I did not know uh, much about Dave Canale at all. Um, but after going back and looking at where he's been over the last couple of years, Russell Wilson had a lot of success with him. Geno Smith, look at the regression he had this year mm-hmm. um, with Canale gone. And this year, Baker Mayfield, I mean, a guy, I know I joke about him, but really had his one of his best seasons of his career with Canale as his, as his coordinator. So was it the move I expected? No, but is it the right move? Yes. It's an offensive-minded guy um, who's had a lot of success with quarterbacks on many different levels. Russell Wilson at the time was towards the top of the NFL. Geno Smith was a guy who was coming off the bench, and Baker Mayfield was a guy that was trying to stay in the league. And he's had success with all three of those guys. Um, so now you have a guy in Bryce Young who uh, needs to be groomed into an NFL quarterback. Obviously, we saw him struggle this past year. Needed an offensive mind. You got your quarterback. Now it's time to fix that offensive line that was one of the worst in in the NFL this past year um, and and get some weapons for him as well that are not named Adam Thielen, who are 34. Um, So I I think it is a good move for him. I love offensive-minded guys. I know I glaze them all the time here on this show. Um, But it's the right move for Carolina if, if, if they think that he can help Bryce Young make that jump and what he's shown so far is that he can. So, uh, yes, I do like the move. Um, so now let's more focus here on Bryce Young um, because obviously he was the number one pick in the draft. Panthers moved up for him, gave up a lot for him, uh, multiple first-round picks. DJ Moore, a third-round pick. That's a huge haul for a little uh, 5'10 quarterback. Um, but they thought they, they had the trust in him, and, and they believe he will be a successful quarterback in this league. Um, but coaching, as we've talked about over the past couple of weeks, whether at the top level with Josh Allen, whether at a, a mediocre level with Trevor Lawrence, uh, coaching is very important. And um, if you don't have an offensive mind involved that knows what they're doing, you're not going to have any success, and that was a product of what the Panthers were this year. Um, so I think it definitely helps Bryce Young, and I think he could make the jump with this group. Yeah, I completely agree, at least eventually. I don't know if it'll be immediate, but I think it'll be something that, you know, over time as Canale brings his system in, um, you could definitely see some change. If he can also attract some weapons, they can draft a guy, trade for a guy, um, get him that, I think – absolutely uh, this could really work out well for Bryce Young yeah absolutely you, you brought up uh, beefing up that offensive line that was just horrendous this year I think that's going to be key number one because uh, I mean you, you can you can get you can have success in the passing game with some of these uh, receivers that aren't the biggest names in the world I mean we're seeing it with Patrick Mahomes I mean you see a guy like uh, Rasheed Rice out there that's really stepped up this year uh, and kind of a lackluster year from uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling who uh, thought to be a veteran presence, I guess, in that passing game really wasn't. Uh, so, I mean, if, if you get uh, a talented guy like Bryce Young, some help up front, give him some give him some time to make reads, make good decisions, I think you really put him in a great position uh, to make that leap from what was really a lackluster first year. Watching Bryce Young this year reminded me a lot of another quarterback who was a number one pick a couple of years ago. Um, a guy that had a coach that didn't know what he was doing, ran a circus show, and they hire an offensive-minded guy, and it turns around. And I know you're about to be, William, oh my gosh, quit glazing Trevor Lawrence, but we're going to do it. Um, (laughs) Look, 2021 under Urban Meyer, 
59.6% completion rate, 3,641 yards, 12 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. Uh, Bryce Young this year, very similar numbers, was inaccurate, um, plenty of interceptions, uh, was not able to get the ball down the field a whole lot, and in 2022, when Lawrence got in Doug Peterson, an offensive-minded guy, uh, totally flipped the script. 66% completion rate, 4,000-plus yards, 25 touchdowns and interceptions. So uh, both situations are very similar, in my opinion. Um, two really highly recruited guys out of high school, uh, did really well in college. Um, the number one pick in the NFL draft, a lot of expectations put on them, and it doesn't necessarily translate in that first year. But then you make a, a coaching change and, and help a guy um, with an, a better offensive mind, a, a guy that knows what he's doing. Um, I think we could see a, a very big year for Bryce Young. Maybe not as big as a, a, what Trevor Lawrence replicated in 2022, but um, it, it's a similar situation in my opinion. I know I love Trevor Lawrence and I, I talk about him all the time, but I think it is a similar situation. I think we could see that jump from Bryce Young if they're able to – get a better offensive mind, which they did, get an offensive line, which they need to do, and get a couple weapons that can help them out, and I think this thing could work out. Um, now, if it doesn't work out this year, then it might not be a coaching problem. It could very well just be Bryce Young isn't a, a, an NFL quarterback, which many people, including myself, kind of uh, thought going into that draft, because look at his size. Not many people have been successful at the NFL level with that size, outside of a Drew Brees, is really the only guy I can think of. Um, so he's already at a disadvantage with his height, so you've got to get a guy in there that can coach around that and put him in positions to win. Uh, I think Dave Canale could definitely have that opportunity uh, to do that for Bryce Young. So now let's go over to Jim Harbaugh. We talked about it yesterday when the news broke, um, but what should be the expectations for him over the next couple of years, and more specifically year one? Keep in mind he boasts a 44-19-1 record at the NFL level when he was with the 49ers. What should we expect this year? Contend for a playoff spot. At the very least, contend for a playoff spot. I would even say get into a playoff spot. Make the postseason. You have a roster that can absolutely win now. You know he's going to want to be dealing a little bit here in the offseason to build a couple more weapons. Um, but even just the roster, if it stays as it is, you have no right to not be in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. um, and, and for a coach of his tenure – you got to make the postseason with this roster. Uh, it's been a failure the last few years with Brandon Staley. Uh, you're you're losing years of Justin Herbert the more you don't make the postseason. So you got to kick it in gear and uh, get in the postseason. Now, I will not say immediately they'll have to contend for the division. You know, Kansas City yeah. is still going to be the class of that division. But take a step. You know, maybe win a game against Kansas City next year. Put some pressure on them. Um, stay on their heels. Um, make the postseason and get a win in postseason, like in the opening weekend, like we saw Houston do with D'Amico Ryan's. Um, look at the momentum they have coming out of their playoff run. It ends in the divisional round, but they weren't supposed to be in the divisional round. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So get get a playoff win, get in the playoffs, come off a great season, and then you can build from there. Yeah, yeah I definitely agree with playoff or bust, in my opinion, just because of, like you said, I mean, he's won 44 games, only lost 19. Uh, so, I mean, he's got the tenure there, and he's, like you said, Dawson, that roster is one that should not be missing the playoffs every year like we've seen under Staley. Uh, I mean, it was pretty poor this year. What were they, 5-12? and 12? I mean, that should never happen with the likes of uh, the guys that they just have on that offense. Now, uh, I think Harbaugh, I'm not sure if he's going to really implement what he did with Michigan, which is like really 
really run first because, I mean, Eckler's good uh, running and passing. Uh, I just don't think he's as effective as a runner as he is in the passing game. And, I mean, we've kind of seen that. He's been more used uh, as a guy to catch screen balls uh, and take it from there. So uh, might see a little bit of a switch there. I, I don't think they leave off of Eckler, but uh, maybe some different play calling changes that thing up. But, uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with playoffs or bust here. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Now, very competitive division. Um, a lot of, lot of. I mean, obviously, any division with Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City is going to be a tough beat. Um, but I think when you look around the AFC, especially this season, it's wide open. Um, there are a lot of talented quarterbacks, a lot of talented coaches. There are a lot of good teams. Anyone could win on any any given day, and that's really what the NFL is. Um, but I think when you look at this Chargers team, they've underperformed for multiple seasons due to poor coaching and. Jim Harbaugh comes in as a head coach. He's not a coordinator. He knows what he's doing. He's done it at the NFL level before, and I think it's a perfect situation for him, and I'm glad he took that opportunity. Now let's get into this season. You've got Justin Herbert. You've got a lot of weapons offensively. Austin Eckler is a guy I I really don't know what he is at this point in his career. Um, In my opinion, he took a big step back this year. It looked like he was kind of running through quickstand every time he got the ball. Um, And then defensively, there's so many different things that need to be reworked. But I I think it can be. It just is a matter of better coaching, which they now have, and just filling in some holes and pieces defensively and and maybe getting another uh, target offensively could really get this thing going. Uh, I think this is a playoff or bust. I think this is by far a wild card team going into the new year. Um, obviously, the Jets we expect will will take a, a, a step in front after a really weird year this year. Um, and there, I think there are nine or ten teams next year that could very well, uh, without a doubt, be in the playoff contention. So it's competitive. So you've got to uh, kind of, I guess, uh, separate yourself from the rest of the the teams and. I think Harbaugh will win the coaching battle a lot of days uh, against other teams. So I think this is a, a a big hire for them, and I think the expectation should be playoff or bust, in, in my opinion. They didn't hire him to be close to the playoffs. They hired him to win playoff games and be in the playoffs. So I think that should be the expectation. So now Bill Belichick, and we uh, had a caller yesterday ask about it as well. Uh, among 14 candidates to interview for the Falcons job, he doesn't get it. Now – you have the Seahawks and Commanders remaining, and both of those teams uh, are not likely to hire him, what we've heard at least. Um, could we see Bel- Belichick miss out on a job this hiring cycle? I don't see a place he could go where it makes sense. Atlanta, even to me, didn't make a lot of sense, but at least you have him for four years. Maybe you build something, and then you hand it off to somebody else. Those other two teams I just don't think are in spots where you only want to have a guy for three years. And at at 72, Bill Belichick's not going to coach for very much longer than that. Mm -hmm. So there's just not another destination to me that that makes any sense. I think you could find better options. Um, Seattle could trend any number of directions. I know Dan Quinn has been thrown around. I don't think that Mm -hmm. would be a good hire either. But I think they would look at him before they do Belichick. And then Washington's probably going to go with enemy now. I think that – who was it? Was it Carolina? I think that we said was going to probably take the enemy, mm-hmm. um, but now he's obviously taken a job. So, or excuse me, that job has been taken. Yes. So now yes. Washington probably is the destination for him too. Belichick is the odd man out. There's just nowhere I see him going that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, especially when you're coming off of that Seattle crew that had Pete Carroll for what felt like forever. I mean, a good like 14, 15 years. Uh, they're not going to lean on some 
old guy to be there for three, four years, try to make some playoff pushes, and that's it. They're going to go for somebody more long-term like Pete Carroll was. Uh, and like you said with the commanders, I mean, I, I don't I don't think Belichick wants to go into a very similar situation as to where he was in New England. Um, it doesn't really make sense for them to go after him, uh, especially when they have a guy like you said, be enemy that's right there that can really turn that uh, thing around. So, uh, yeah, it feels like this is – this is, I feel like this is what was supposed to happen from the day that he was leaving the Patriots. I mean, it kind of felt uh, inevitable that he was going to just not coach. Uh, but, I mean, to his surprise, it's actually happening. Well, when you look at the remaining teams, the Seahawks and the Commanders, they're both moving on from defensive-minded guys. Uh, now, the Seahawks have been rumored to look at Dan Quinn, which I think would be a bad decision. Um, and the Commanders have also been floated around. If there were a team to get Belichick, it would be the Commanders. Um, and he's both – he's in consideration for the Commanders' job. I have not heard anything about him with Seattle. So, I think it's right now Commanders are bust for Belichick. And I think uh, – look, why would you move on from one defensive-minded guy to go hire another one? And, and, and that – and one that's 71 years old as well and hasn't proven himself to be a, a fit coach to deal with a, a inferior quarterback in, in a quarterback situation that is yet to be solidified. Um, and, and that's Sam Howell. And Geno Smith is, is better than Sam Howell. And I, I, he very well could re- have a bounce back year from this year, but I, I think it was more of the system he was in and the mm. and the teams not really knowing how to defend a, a, a Geno Smith at this point in his career. Um, but I think Belichick has probably missed his window, and, and maybe he gets a coordinator job somewhere else, but I think he's too big for that. Um, I, I think we'll likely see him uh, not have a job uh, this, this upcoming season and maybe get a chance to coach next season if, if their hiring's available. Um, but I think he's kind of played his way out right now. And um, it, the Falcons were the only spot I could have seen him going uh, based off the fact that he had multiple meetings with them, one-on-one with Arthur Blank. And while they are not, while they don't have a quarterback with, with DoorDash, uh, Heineke, or DoorDash uh, Ritter and Heineke, uh, I think they still do have a lot of guys on that offense that he could at least work with. Um, so I, I think it's very well he could be missed from this hiring cycle. And I think it's kind of a – a ridiculous fall from grace from him, um, considering where he was a couple of years ago and the the pedigree that he goes about. Um, just, I mean, Belichick, the Belichick name will not be coaching next year. That's a that's a really surprising feat. Um, before we wrap up, let's let's head to uh, best hire, worst hire out of the new coaches in this cycle. The best hires I could not decide, so I went with three. I think Harbaugh is probably the home run out of this one. Mm-hmm. I think Brian Callahan is up there as well for Tennessee. Uh, and then I'll say Antonio Pierce to the Vegas Raiders. Uh, for, for Harbaugh, he gives you your win-now coach. You can yeah. take a roster that needs to be in the playoffs into the playoffs. For Callahan, you get a guy for Levis. I think that's going to open up an opportunity for him to develop and for him to be the guy and also rejuvenate an offense that had plateaued over the last few years under you know Tannehill and, mm-hmm. and a Derrick Henry that all loved a Derrick Henry, but it was pretty clear his time in Tennessee was coming to an end. Um, so they need a restart on offense. And then for Pierce, huge players guy. I love that hire. Yeah. Uh, they played – for him there at the end of that season and salvaged together what ended up being a pretty good season. They played really good football, notably that win in yeah. Kansas City mm-hmm. uh, over the holiday season. What a win that was. Uh, so I think that was the obvious pick as well. The worst hire, it's hard to pick a worse one. I think most of them have been pretty good. Uh, Gerard Mayo is yes. my worst one. Yeah. Uh, a defensive mind, former linebacker. Yeah, you get the, the connection to him playing there, but – 
I just don't see anything that, that it screams they're going to be good on offense, they're going to be a successful team. Uh, you've got a complete dumpster fire disaster at quarterback mm-hmm, that you need mm-hmm. to solve, and I just don't think he's the guy to do it. I, mm-hmm. I just yeah. Of the hires, I like him, I just don't think he's the right guy for that job. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think Harbaugh is definitely the home run hitter, like you said. I mean, he's he's a guy that can be thrown in there and instantly make a difference for that uh for that franchise, another guy like you said, Brian Callahan, going in and uh, really changing the identity of that Titans team is really going to be something to look out for, especially since you're going from a defensive guy like Vrabel to a guy that's a QB guru from what we've seen of his work so far in Callahan. So uh, should be some fun times here in Nashville if he can start figuring things out there worst I'm kind of on the boat with you there too it's, it's kind of hard to judge that right now I mean we're still missing two guys that haven't been hired yet uh so leaning on that uh maybe a sort of a question mark with Morris in 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 Atlanta just because uh kind of came out of nowhere when you're interviewing guys like Belichick you know Vrabel's still out there on the table uh so that that one kind of caught me off guard so I might throw that one as the worst so far but of course still things yet to pan out in a couple spots yeah, my best Harbaugh uh, in a very competitive sports city gives Los Angeles a little bit of juice. Um, and then the the aspect of that's a win-now team. It just needed better coaching. Jim Harbaugh is just that. He's had success at the NFL level, home run hire by far. The worst hire, in my opinion, is by far Gerard Mayo. Yeah. Um, I, I It's no shade to him as a coach, as a player, or anything like that. Um, obviously a Tennessee volunteer. Yeah. I hate to hate to be on the Knoxville Airways talking bad about him. But um, look, from the Patriots' perspective here, you're moving on from Belichick because you didn't like the way things were going. Mayo was only known how to play under Belichick or coach under Belichick in the NFL level. So in my opinion, you're only going to get really a replication of what he did on a day-to-day basis because that's what he was around. So he's not an offensive-minded guy. He's a, a, a byproduct of, of Bill Belichick. I, I get he was a really great player for them, a team captain, and, and all these great things about him. But I don't think that was the right hire because you've got a mess at quarterback and you will not be a reputable franchise again until you find that guy. And a defensive-minded coach I don't think is the way to go there. Um, 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in. We've got Josh on the Josh line. Josh dropped, I think. Call back in, Josh. Josh dropped. Josh, please call back. We'll take your call. Um, but we'll head to a break real quick and hope we get your call on the break. You're listening over time making a better vodka soda ain't rocket science you just gotta start with a better vodka and then voila you get white claw vodka soda your taste buds are about to get a phd in deliciousness jb smooth only drinks vodka soda made with the world's smoothest vodka try the all-new white claw vodka soda pick up a variety pack of their four delicious flavors only 100 calories 4.5 percent alcohol and two grams of sugar White Claw Vodka Soda. Please drink responsibly. Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the lifetime warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at parksidekia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive, Parkside Kia, 
where your journey begins. Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service, is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015. Now serving municipalities and residences in 14 states, Rogers offers fire hydrant flow testing, distribution flushing, and maintenance programs in accordance with ISO standards. Rogers also offers hydrant repair and installation, and they have the capability of repairing hydrants under pressure. For more information on Rogers' new sewer maintenance program, complete with mapping, cleaning, and camera inspecting, visit RogersHydrantService.com. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865. 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team. Delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. They are our love bugs and companions. They are our pets, our family, and they make life better. When we face unexpected challenges, so do our pets. That's why we're on a mission to support people and their pets. Whether donating a bag of kibble, sharing an Instagram post of a lost cat, or welcoming a foster pet into your home, every bit of kindness counts. Visit petsandpeopletogether.org to learn how to be a helper in your community. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Back here on Overtime, segment number two of hour number two on this Thursday night. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, time to get into our NFL contending questions. And we're going to play a little more likely game uh, this afternoon. I guess tonight we, we should be saying. Um, well, we'll begin with this. Uh, Lamar is 2-3 and three in the playoffs. More likely, Lamar reverts back to his playoff struggles or Lamar outplays Mahomes? I think it's more likely of those two that he reverts back to what he's been doing. Um, and I only say that because I don't think he's going to have to outplay Mahomes to win this game. I think Mahomes could pretty easily outplay him, and Lamar could just have a, a good effort, and I think the Ravens could still win this game just based on the roster that they have. It's by far the most complete roster in the NFL. Uh, they've been the most convincing team of the playoff teams left, I think maybe besides Kansas City, but again, you have to go to Baltimore to play that game. Mm-hmm. You're going to have the crowd behind you. I don't think Lamar has to outplay him, but I think it's more likely of those two that he reverts back to making some mistakes, Maybe the moment gets a little too big for him. This yeah. is his first opportunity to have this moment, um, and so maybe it maybe it comes back to bite him, uh, and he reverts back to what he's been doing in the past. I I, I agree with that. Uh, I th- I think it's it's been really hard to say 
it, at least from me watching, if Mahomes has ever been outplayed in the playoff game, even right. in ones that he's lost, uh, it's been hard to decipher whether he's been outplayed or not. So, uh, like you said, he might not even have to match Mahomes in this one uh, to pull it out against the Chiefs. Uh, I will say, I, th- I think if there was one left in this playoffs, he is the one to do it above any uh, of the remaining quarterbacks because, I mean, you look at his divisional round uh, up against Houston, he put together a show. I mean, two touchdowns through the air, two touchdowns on the ground, rush for 100 yards. I mean, uh, that just doesn't happen every day. So, uh, yeah, I, I think of the two, I think he's more likely to go back to playoff struggles. Now, does that mean he loses? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I'd have to agree. I, I think he reverts back to his playoff struggles. Not predicting that, but the more likely scenario here. Uh, Mahomes, when he has had a passer rating of above 86, they're undefeated this year, the Chiefs are. Um, so it usually has not gone on Mahomes. It's more so been uh, just drop passes from receivers and just a, a lack of urgency offensively at times. But that has kind of gone away now. Uh, I think the Chiefs have totally changed uh, over the, the second half of this season, even though they had that bad loss against the Raiders on Christmas Day, I think in the playoffs at least, you've seen back-to-back games against really good teams where their offenses looked really good and, and looked not as good as the years they had Tyreek Hill and maybe last year as well, but they've been more than serviceable and able to win two big games against two really good teams. And Lamar, yes, was really special in, in that game against the Texans last Saturday. Um, but the track record says um, he's likely to slip up here again. Now, a totally different scenario, different offensive coordinator, uh, different offensive unit, a lot better defense, playing at home. Everything is in his favor. But from what we've seen over time from him, two and three playoff record, uh, a couple of really bad clunkers. Uh, everyone remembers the Titans game back in 2019, uh, the 17-3 loss against Buffalo in 21. Uh, so we've seen him drop the ball in these big moments, and I think more likely it's Lamar reverts back to his playoff struggles. All right, so the Ravens hold an NFL best nine wins of 14-plus points against winning teams. More likely, Chiefs get blown out, or Chiefs win by double digits? Chiefs win by double digits. I there's I don't see the Chiefs getting blown out in this game. Uh, they have only been blown out one time in the postseason in the Mahomes era, and it was the Super Bowl against Tom Brady, where they lost 31-9. to um, If I looked correctly, that is their largest loss with Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback, and it's not close. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in the – I mean, they won their only road game last week. Uh, but even in neutral site games – it just it doesn't happen, um, and I don't think the Ravens, as good as they are, I don't think they are going to pull away in this game. This feels like a game that's going to be back and forth, um, down to the wire. Um, but if it goes the Chiefs' way, and I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to win by 25. Mm-hmm. I, it could be 10, it could be 13, maybe. Um, but even that, I don't, I don't see that happening. Between those two, I do not see Patrick Mahomes getting blown out in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I really don't see uh, Mahomes getting blown out in the playoffs. Now, do I think that the Ravens' defense outmatches that offense? I absolutely think so. Just, just with uh, the play so far this year, like you said, Ravens first in defensive DVOA rankings, and I mean, uh, that's no slouch. And that offense has just been so weird. I mean, they, they. They have the run game with Pacheco that's that's started to pick up, uh, and he played really well last week. Uh, but, I mean, besides passing to Rice and uh, Kelsey, you really haven't had too many like consistent targets out there for uh, Mahomes to 
make plays for. So I think on that end, I think the Baltimore offense has been much, much more uh, rounded off. They've been able to work through the air and on the ground pretty efficiently. Uh, I just don't see uh, Mahomes getting blown out in the playoffs, like you said. Yeah, I think it's Chiefs win by double digits, actually. I, I think the Chiefs um, have, have proven that uh, over the past couple of weeks they've gotten better. And also, keep in mind, the Dolphins are kind of a – a team that have not been in the playoffs a bunch as of late. Um, Buffalo is, and they were able to handle the Dolphins with with ease. And now that game was at home, and you know I don't think they're as the Dolphins are not as good of a team as the Ravens as we saw that head to head game in Week 17 where the Ravens absolutely blew them out of the water. Um, but this is a Ravens team that does not have that much experience in the playoffs outside of the coaching staff. Um, a lot of these guys. Are st- this is still new fa- new territory for them outside of like an Odell Beckham who's been here before and a couple of guys defensively. But for Lamar, this is the biggest game of his career. Uh, Mahomes, this is like, what, the 20th biggest game of his career because he's playing so many. Um, so I-, I think the-, the Chiefs winning by double digits really isn't that far-fetched either. I, I think they could pull away from this, uh, especially if it gets into a track meet and the, the Chiefs are able to continue to put up points. Um, I think the Ravens against this Chiefs defense could be a problem uh, as well. So I'd say Chiefs win by double digits the more likely. 49ers are 0-2 with Debo Samuel and have less total yards, less yards per play, less expected points, and a lower success rate when Debo does not play. More likely, 49ers struggle to move the ball or 49ers score three-plus touchdowns, which they barely achieved last week against the Packers. If you'd asked me this last week before the Green Bay game, I would have probably said they score three-plus touchdowns. If you look at Detroit's secondary, it's not good. We've Mm -hmm. talked about that at length over the past several weeks. Um, It's not a good unit, but now that they played that Green Bay game with Debo Samuel on the field, by the Mm -hmm. way, at at 100% for for most of that game, uh, they struggle to move the ball with him out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, If he is not able to go... That struggle only gets worse, I I feel like. And Green Bay's defense, their secondary is better than Detroit's, but talent-wise, I think Detroit, especially up front, is is much better than Green Bay's defense. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so I just – if Detroit is able to lock up CMC to a degree, uh, you're never going to be able to shut him down completely. But if you can limit his production and make Purdy have to make a play – I mean, the offense really could struggle. We, mm-hmm. we saw it a couple times in that Green Bay game where Green Bay just stood in, made a play, and the Niners stalled before yeah. they ever got yeah. across midfield. So if you do that again, I, the Niners, this could be a serious problem for them this week. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Stopping CMC is going to be really uh, big for that Detroit defense, but uh, I'm still leaning towards the side of that three-plus touchdowns just because of who else is on that offense. I mean, that offensive line is really solid. They have been all year. Uh, Trent Williams maybe the best player in the league, in my opinion, just I don't know, something about him just... In terms of being valuable, I guess. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. just what he brings to the table that uh, he's still got... Purdy still has passing options in McCaffrey. He's still got Ayuk out there uh, as well as Kittle. So, I mean, he's still got the weapons to do to help get this team to three-plus touchdowns. Uh, but, I mean, like you said, that Green Bay team did stifle that offense for quite a while, uh, even with Debo out there. And I think taking your safety net, that is Debo Samuel out of it, uh, does throw a wrench into things I still think they might lean towards that three plus touchdowns yeah I, I think this was an interesting one and that's that's why I wanted to do mm-hmm. it um, I, I feel I want to say struggle to move the ball 
but I could also see the 49ers just completely taking advantage of a very bad Detroit Lions secondary. Um, Chauncey Garner-Johnson being back in the mix is huge for them, but I don't know if he's enough to make this a, a, a totally different unit, and it really hasn't been in his return uh, last week with you know Baker Mayfield throwing it all over the place, uh, Mike Evans having a day, and then just the week prior, Puka Nakua as well. Um, so I'd say more likely to score three-plus touchdowns. I think I'm not a big fan of Brock, Brock Purdy, but I do think they'll have the ability to really expand the field, and they can only put, put so much focus on CMC because if they front load and stack the box to stop the run, then you've got to bank on Kyle Shanahan being able to you know, beat man coverage or, or poor zone coverage uh, down the field, even without Debo Samuel playing. Um, so I, I would say score three-plus touchdowns. I know they barely hit that mark last week at home uh, against a Packers defense that's middle of the class at best. Um, but I, I think that they have a, a really big advantage here in that secondary, and I think they'll probably, uh, you know, I guess, exploit it to the best mm. they can. Uh, more likely, we'll stay on the topic of Brock Purdy, who still has questions about his in-game performance and ability to make a big play. More likely, Brock Purdy has multiple turnovers and silences the critics, or, or excuse me, Brock Purdy has multiple turnover, turnovers or silences the critics with a great performance, which is more likely. Mm, this one was so tough. Um, <laughs> multiple turnovers, to me, against a secondary like this is tough to bet on. But I also can't say confidently, well, he's going to go out there and have a, you know, a drop-dead performance. He's going to throw for 300-plus yards. I can't say that. Mm-hmm. I mean, because of what he did last week, because of what he's, his body of work over the course of the season, it <sighs> – I don't. I can't confidently say that either way right now. Um, more likely, I would almost say multiple turnovers. Mm-hmm. I mean, this feels like a game where, yeah, maybe they front load. Brock Purdy goes to make a play, throws a bad ball, and it's picked off in the secondary um, and can't make a play again, which he missed open receivers. He got lucky a few times in the Green Bay game, quite frankly, uh, that he did not turn the ball over a couple more times. Uh, does he get that lucky against Detroit? I don't know. So right now, for me, based on what we've seen, it's multiple turnovers. Yeah, I, I agree with the multiple turnovers because, I mean, this Detroit defense had two interceptions against Baker Mayfield last week uh, against a better quarterback uh, that's been known to make some better decisions. Now, granted, of course, his tenures at different places doesn't really show that he's the the guy. But, I mean, I don't think the guy is Brock Purdy in San Francisco either. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who, without – you know those first read guys that are open. He's he's not really making the best decisions uh, overall. So I, I think that along with uh, just again, I'll bank on his uh, his guys that he's got with against his secondary. I don't think I don't think throwing for three hundred yards and three touchdowns silences the critics whatsoever. Just because of how bad this defensive secondary is, I, I don't think that silences the critics. So uh, I'm also leaning towards the turnovers. So I went back into the archives of a similar game this year where they were missing Debo Samuel, also missing Trent Williams. Trent Williams will be playing on Sunday, but Debo Samuel was out, and that was that Monday night football game against the Vikings where Brock Purdy went 21-30 and had two interceptions, and they ended up losing that game 22-17. to um, And I talked about yesterday, Dawson and I both did, about the impact that Debo Samuel has. Um, and I know I just said they're more likely to score three-plus touchdowns, but I think Purdy's more likely to have multiple turnovers in this one. I think this is a playoff game that is a huge state game. Remember last year, he really didn't play much in that Eagles game. He got hurt, mm. um, and so he, he doesn't really have a, a game like this in his track record because missed a lot of that game last year, wasn't able to go. Um, 
And I, I think what you've seen so far this season, when Debo Samuel's out, the offense changes a little bit. Obviously, a worse secondary they're playing against, but it's not like the Vikings had some lockdown defense either. They were able to get two picks on them. Um, that game was on the road, however, this one being played in San Francisco. But I, I cannot envision a 300-plus yard, multiple touchdown performance from Brock Purdy that wills the 49ers to the, to the Super Bowl. I think, if anything, it would be a Christian McCaffrey game where he gets going early and they have to stack the box, and then Purdy is able to kind of duel from there. I'm saying more more likely multiple turnovers. And real quick, I think it also – I'm sure we'll mention this tomorrow, um, but I think it also depends on what kind of pressure the Detroit front can get. Yeah. Uh, if they can get to him, close the pocket up. Purdy is not good with his legs. No. Um, so if you can close the pocket up, especially – I mean, Aiden Hutchinson, wherever he lines up, whether that's against Trent Williams, I think that's going to be the matchup to watch on the defensive mm-hmm. line by far. Uh, if they can get the backfield – I think it makes it even an even higher chance that Purdy turns the ball over. He's going to have to get it out quickly. Going to have to potentially make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it really depends on it depends on those guys up front how much pressure they can get as well. And, and that goes back to the extend the playability that yep. he just doesn't right. have any lacks. And not every player that is able to extend plays has you know glorious legs that they're able to just roll out in the pocket and zip it across the field. Not every one of them have it. Um, but I think it's his. Purdy's reluctance to move out of the pocket and move out and try and make a playoff script. I think he's been so uh, just kind of, I guess, puppeted to stay in the pocket, mm-hmm. make the make the you know your one two three reads. If it's not there, throw it away or take the sack or or, or find another scenario there. Um, I, I think the more likely is Purdy to have multiple turnovers. Our our, our final question here, and I'll begin. Uh, more likely Super Bowl matchup, any combination you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm leaning here. Uh, Chiefs and 49ers, uh, a repeat okay. of what we got in 2021. Um, I think the Chiefs have shown that they are back offensively. Patrick Mahomes in a in a winner-go-home game, I'm always going to bank on the guy. He's proven time and time again he's an underdog. You uh, should have gone the other side and stayed with the Chiefs. I, I think they get it done. It might be a close game um, down the stretch. It might come down to a Harrison-Butker field goal. Uh, but personally – I see the Chiefs here. Um, and then the 49ers game, I think there are too many different scenarios and ways the 49ers can expose that that secondary for the Lions. I love what they've done offensively. Uh, Detroit has uh, with Ben Johnson, but um, I think the 49ers are the better team, better defense, and uh, having such a big gaping hole defensively for the Lions, I have to choose Chiefs 49ers for mine. I'm sticking to my guns from the beginning of the postseason. I picked Ravens-Niners as my Super Bowl matchup, mm-hmm. and I'm going to stick to it. Uh, I, I just haven't found a reason to switch off. Baltimore going to be the home team. That's a toss-up game, yeah. um, but it's it's a huge spotlight opportunity for Lamar Jackson to yes, have a breakthrough very. moment. Um, again, I don't think he's going to have to have a performance better than Mahomes. Just mm-hmm. good enough to will his team to victory, uh, even if it is a wire down to the wire game. Just make the plays when you need to that we know he can make. Yeah. Um, on this biggest stage, I think their their defense is going to be an X factor in this game too. If, if you can even limit Patrick Mahomes a yeah. little bit, I think you could get ahead and win this game. And then yeah, I'm sticking with the Niners, not because of Brock Purdy. Yeah. Mm. Again, you know, no straight to Brock Purdy, but <laughs> probably more because of McCaffrey and their defense than yeah. than. And anything um but again in that game too 
what an interesting scenario we've got over there because mm-hmm. I think Detroit, they have a couple things to go their way. Maybe Purdy makes a couple bad throws. Very well. I think they could absolutely hang in this game mm-hmm. and maybe win it. I don't know if they will, but mm-hmm. they certainly can. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely, I, I agree with you, Dawson. I'm going Ravens 49ers as well. It is really weird and hard picking against Patrick Mahomes, uh, but I think the Ravens defense has just been above and beyond this year, and I think they can continue that uh, with a diminished receiving core that is uh, the Kansas City Chiefs right now uh, and I think their offense can roll too I mean it's it's multi-dimensional it's not all run it's not all pass it's a nice little mix there uh, Kansas City's defense will put up a fight though uh, we'll kind of wrangle in that uh, passing game but I, I think the Ravens can still get it done uh, as for the 49ers I just I think they are the better team uh, despite Brock Purdy at the helm and uh, being at home really helps too, uh, especially in these playoffs. I mean, we, we've seen most of these home teams win besides, you know, like a random Packers win and a Chiefs win last week. I, th- I think besides that, it's been all home teams winning. Uh, so uh, carrying that over, I, I, I think the 49ers take care of business. Now, the one that I would love to see, Ravens-Lions. I feel like that'd that's be a a, that, that'd Absolutely. be a fun little storyline deal there. Uh, but, yeah, sticking with the guns, Ravens-49ers. All right, when we come back, we'll have our final caller of the night. We'll be right back, taking a quick break. You're listening to Overtime on Fox Sports. White Claw is taking hard seltzer to new heights with White Claw Surge. At 8% alcohol, White Claw Surge is a stronger wave of refreshment that doesn't compromise on taste. Available in four bold waves of flavor like ripe blackberry, citrusy blood orange, zesty natural lime, and tart cranberry. Check out your favorite retailer in-store and online for the White Claw Surge Variety 12-pack and 16-ounce single-serve cans. White Claw Surge, please drink responsibly. Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options. From classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. Upgrade to energy-efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows. Get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at northknoxsidingandwindows.com. Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the lifetime warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at parksidekia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive. Parkside Kia, where your journey begins. Are you tired of looking at that piece of furniture that is wore down but you don't want to get rid of it? Go see our friends at Sun Upholstery and Fabric. Locally and family owned and operated with over 67 years of combined experience. Located at 8913 Oak Ridge Highway, give them a call today at 865-237-3272 or visit them online at fabricsun.com. That's fabricsun.com and be sure to tell Stan that you heard about him right here on Fan Run Radio. Are you ready to make your dream home a reality? Hi, I'm Bo Kregner and here at the Kregner Group at Realty Executives, we know that finding the perfect home is more than just a transaction. It's about finding your sanctuary, your future, your happiness. Our team is dedicated to guiding you every step of the way, ensuring a smooth and stress-free journey towards home ownership. 
Whether you're buying, selling, or investing, we're here to help. Call me anytime at 865-742-1035 or just visit us online at bonoshouses.com. Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service, is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015. Now serving municipalities and residences in 14 states, Rogers offers fire hydrant flow testing, distribution flushing, and maintenance programs in accordance with ISO standards. Rogers also offers hydrant repair and installation, and they have the capability of repairing hydrants under pressure. For more information on Rogers' new sewer maintenance program, complete with mapping, cleaning, and camera inspecting, visit rogershydrantservice.com. Back here on Overtime, rounding out our Thursday night episode. Uh, let's head to the phones real quick. We've got Walker on the line. What's up, Walker? Hey, William. Um, I got a two-part question for you tonight. Okay. Um, first, um, who do you think is under uh, more pressure on Sunday, Brock Purdy or Lamar Jackson? You know, Purdy has been um, suspect. I believe, um, from this year. You know, he was all the way up in the MVP race. I don't know for um, what reason, to be honest, but he goes and uh, drops an eggshell on Sunday. You know, are they thinking about bringing a Kirk Cousins-type quarterback or um, someone like that in? And on the flip side, Moore, he goes in and drops an eggshell. You know, he's what, one and one and four on the in the playoffs. Yeah, it, it, to, you go to two and four. Yeah, yeah go to two and four. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I think Brock Purdy's by far under the most pressure. Lamar, if he loses to Patrick Mahomes, uh, I mean, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is the, one of the best to ever do it, right. and at least That'd he was able point. to get to the AFC Championship game. Um, and I think this season has been a huge turnaround for him, especially considering that you know this time last year they were trying to figure out what they were going to do with Lamar, whether they'd trade him, whether they let him walk. There were so many different outcomes, and they ended up re-signing him. It's worked out for the best. Uh, Brock Purdy, by far, is under the most pressure, um, a guy that many people deem as a system quarterback, including myself. Uh, Kyle Shanahan puts him in a lot of great situations, a lot of incredible talent around him. George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Jawan Jennings, uh, Debo Samuel, Trent Williams, it sounds like a damn all-star team. And he's just back there, not able to make those plays and extend plays like we talked about earlier, guys. Um, I, I think that if he's not able to get it done, then I, I think you move on and, and find a guy that can win in those games and, and make plays and extend plays like Brock Purdy can't. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, I think he's got a super team, and if he can't get it done with with this team, then I don't think he ever will. Yeah. Um, my second part um, of my question is, uh, where do you think a good uh, landing spot for Derrick Henry is next year, um, and why? Yeah, a lot of good options out there. I think he wants to go to a team that's contending and a team that, A, is moving off a running back or, or looking to add a, a big-time piece at running back. And to me, that's the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the Cowboys are likely going to move off of Pollard, obviously have Rico Daddle behind him, but um, I don't think Daddle's ready to be that bell cow and that three-down back. And not necessarily that's not, that's not necessarily how the Cowboys play, but adding Derrick Henry in the mix to where you can kind of get this one-two punch of Dak Prescott in the air and also on short down positions, getting Derrick Henry to run the ball down your yeah. throat, that's something that I think is, is really tough to guard. Um, I, maybe... 
Baltimore, but Baltimore has proven this year with their uh, plethora of, of backs and Keaton Mitchell and Hill that they don't really yep. need a, a, another running back. So I, I'd say Dallas right now, guys. What about the, what about the Chargers? Chargers, too. Moving uh, off Eckler, perhaps, and picking up yeah. Derrick Henry. I mean, it's not a long-term thing, but you've got a roster that can win right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with the Cowboys, if anybody, because, I mean, like you said, the Ravens, you know, they've, they've proven that they don't need their guy in the backfield. They can take a hodgepodge group of guys that maybe weren't too big too big a names coming in uh, to the year and turn out to be just fine. I mean, they're in the AFC Championship for a reason. Uh, so, yeah, I mean – Derrick Henry might be taking a little bit of a pay cut, but I mean, I, I think I think Dallas has a little bit of space for him and uh, can definitely make a, <laughs> an even bigger difference for that offense that's already really potent. Yeah. Well, Walker, I appreciate. Well, Walker, I appreciate your call. Thank you so much, man. We got to hit a break. We're about to head uh, to the end of the episode, but I appreciate your call. Thanks for calling in. Of course. Thank y'all. Yeah. Thank you. All right, so let's uh, round out the episode real quick with uh, some news that came out of the NFL earlier. Um, New England Patriots wide receiver, and many remember him as LSU standout wide receiver, Kayshawn Butte, was arrested Thursday in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, over allegations of illegal sports betting while he played at LSU. Um, Butte is 21, is being charged for a felony count of computer fraud and misdemeanor count of gambling prohibited by persons under 21. Uh, it has been reported that Butte placed more than 8,900 wagers with at least 17 bets on NCAA football games. It's being reported as well that one of those games was the <laughs> Florida State LSU opener in, in New Orleans where he bet on himself. Literally, you know, all these guys get these tattoos, bet on myself. He literally did it, and he bet on himself to get a touchdown in 80-plus yards. He did not get either of them. And there's a video from that game where he is visibly cussing out and yelling at Jaden Daniels in the third quarter because he didn't have a target or reception. Mm-hmm. Now we understand why. Um, also, it was reported that he started off with 120k, went up 500 grand, and only and withdrew uh, $50,000. So he lost around 80k, 70k uh, of money. Now I'm sure the NIL fund at LSU helped fund that, but um, what a fall from grace for this guy. Um, Keep in mind, in 2020, this was supposed to be the next great LSU wide receiver following up the Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase year with Burrow. And then he had some injuries um, and ended up staying for another season uh, last year, and or I guess two years ago, not this mm. most recent season, but two years ago, um, and fell to the sixth round this past year to the New England Patriots, who are uh, offensively, or offensively uh, troubled, I guess is the word for it. Only two receptions, 19 yards this year. Um, now likely going to be out of the league. He'll face a suspension even if he gets out of this court case. Um, what a fall from grace and your reactions when you heard this guy was gambling uh, that I much. I mean, this story is insane to read, just some of the specifics of the numbers. Um, and, and I know we were talking before the show with the uh, with the cast of The Drive about like how many bets this would be in a certain amount of time. Yeah. Uh, we determined it's almost a bet an hour, which is like you're looking at it during class. Like, it's like if I had my phone out <laughs> during a class over at UT and I was placing sports bets during my class. It's just insane to think about. Yeah, the biggest the biggest thing for me was that just the amount. 8,900 <laughs> bets? That's it's absolutely insane. And more on that, tw- one every hour. Like you're, you're sitting in your like biology lab just thinking about, man – like what? What cricket game can I hit the over on out in India tonight, or just at this point in the day? Like, what can I do? And it's just absolutely crazy that you know it, we get it. It's it's like 
di- under different name. It's under a disguise. But man, how stupid are you? Yeah, that, it's a tough look. Uh, I, I, in a sense, feel bad for him. Uh, eight thousand nine hundred or eight thousand nine hundred bets I th- is. I, I thought I was addicted. Yeah. No. Well, no. Yeah. Uh, he he uh, one ups anyone. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I you know wow. I hope he figures that out. Um, I hope his his career is able to get a second win. He's a really talented player in all seriousness. Um, battles some injuries, falls in the draft. Now this comes out, not a good look. Likely we'll get the, the Calvin Ridley treatment where he missed a whole yeah. year, probably more since they've really doubled down on it yeah. recently. Um, but a lot of this was done at the NCAA level. It'll be interesting to see what they do with this situation. That's us. Uh, that's enough for overtime today. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow to dive into all the NFL playoff games this weekend, AFC and NFC Championship, and talk about the Vols trip to the Vanderbilt Commodores on Saturday.